This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I've been meditating now for 53 years, and at a certain point along that trajectory, I began to realize when I sit in the morning, or let me say when I practice in the morning, it's not always sitting because there are many different doors into it. You can do standing meditation. You can do lying down meditation in bed. You can do walking meditation, sometimes slow, sometimes fast. You can do wheeling meditation. You can do breathing meditation. You can do watching thoughts meditation. A million different, but it's all attending. And what I came to discover or realize was that when I take my seat in the morning, it's a radical act. A lot of people would think it's insane. You got so much to do. Why are you sitting there doing nothing? You know? You hear my father saying that to me, you know. (laughs) Why are you doing nothing? This is not nothing. It's a non-doing. And what I came to realize is that it's a radical act of sanity, actually, to stop all the doing and the driving through our moments to get to better moments and actually be in the moment that we have. This breath in, this breath out. This thought, this bad feeling, if it's a bad, hard moment, this good feeling, but good, bad, or ugly, the full catastrophe of the human condition, why not put the welcome mat out? Why? Because it's already here. It's completely influencing us. How am I going to be in relationship to it? That's what mindfulness is, the relationality. So I've come to see it as a radical act of sanity and ultimately a radical act of love. I take, I'm taking care. And it's not narcissistic. It's not like radical act of love for myself. It's a radical act of a willingness to be, to remind myself that it's possible to rest in awareness, as we were just doing, and th- that awareness is boundless. It's not limited to the skull or to the skin. It's like, you find, try to find the extent of your awareness. I don't think you're going to find it. Try to find the center of it. Even the center, like moi, me, where it, you won't find it. I urge you to experiment. Don't take my word for it. But that's interesting. If this, the boundless spaciousness is inside us in some sense, or part of our true nature, you could say, then who are we, really? And maybe dropping into being outside of time for a few moments at least is kind of like when you have an orchestra they don't just get together and play great music, Mozart, Beethoven, whatever, uh, with great instruments and great performance. They actually tune their instruments to themselves and to each other, right, before they play. What if you see this as a tuning? Before I go into the doing of the day, how about tuning the instrument so that when the first thing that I could get angry about arises, and how long do you think that will take? I noticed the arising of anger. And I noticed that my awareness of the anger isn't angry. You can ask yourself, you can look, and this is not dissociation. This is not a prescription for dissociation. This is like discovering a hidden dimension of your humanity that then you can inhabit. And then all the doing can come out of that being. All the creativity comes out of that all the imagination, and basically all the love. Because the love 
you know, we can't talk about it. Anything we say about it turns to, you know, just garbage in our mouths. It's, it's like, because that's all mere cognition, merely conceptual. And like, you know, in relationships, like when you're f- the love is there and you feel it, words are useless. Maybe poetry, but not, certainly not prose. And when the love's not there, no amount of words is going to be of any use. And when the, the love is there, we also don't need words. So medicine and meditation are linked at the etymological hip. And so the thought was, when I um, uh, started MBSR, why keep this to myself? I mean, I'm finding this to be extraordinary. Why not go to places where people are suffering? Because this comes out of the Buddhist tradition primarily, although it's totally universal. But the Buddha was, you could think of him as a, a very sophisticated scientist who asked deep questions about the nature of the mind and the nature of reality, and he didn't have an fMRI in Helen Oing to you know, go into the fMRI scanner and with you know sort of uh, uh, artificial intelligence programs decode what's going on when he pays attention to his breathing and so forth. He didn't have that. He didn't even have quantitative EEG. He just had this. And he said, okay, I just have this. I'm going to sit down, and this is going to be the instrument of my inquiry. This is going to be the laboratory. And he discovered some things that are profound and they have nothing to do with Buddhism in the same way as, you know, uh, gravitation. You know, say Galileo discovered gravitation, or if you want, Newton did the math. Gravitation's not Italian. Gravitation's not English. It's not like, you know, the sort of Cambridge University is trying to get a patent on gravitation. And and the Dharma isn't Buddhist. Wisdom is not Buddhist. Awareness is not Buddhist. Mindfulness is not Buddhist. Although it's the heart of Buddhist meditation because Buddhism is not Buddhism. Because as soon as you make an ism of any kind, as soon as you make this, you make that. And that's a dualism. And Buddhism is about non-duality. So there are all sorts of very interesting currents and ironies here that are deep and profound and transformative and wisdom. And it's in some sense the, Indo, uh, the Indo-Asian, you know, Indo-Tibetan, Indo-Chinese culture that is kind of offering us now stuff that 100 years ago n- no one w- had a clue about this. I mean, William James was writing about the wandering mind and any kind of education that would help us to deal with a wandering mind would the education par excellence, he said. Meanwhile, halfway around the world, without the internet, in 1890, there were people who had been practicing that for centuries, how to deal with a, uh, an unruly wandering mind. But no, now, in the 21st century, everything is out there, everything is everywhere. But the question is, can we bring it inside in a way that is fungible, that is valuable? You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.